0: hey hey hey! what's up winners we are back and i am here with my guest tiffany Hatchett, and we are talking about overcoming addiction um overcoming challenges in our life and um and and how how powerful god is um and so when we before we took a break tiffany shared with us what her breaking point was which was almost losing her job and so tiffany i would like for you to kind of you know Talk about um I know you said that you know, fortunately your boss, fortunate for you at the time, she was also dealing with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps that was your saving grace because that relationship and I guess those around you, um, like you said, your your neighbor not your neighbor, but your roommate and probably some of your other friends, they kind of just was like, Oh, that's just that's what Tiffany does. Yeah, when Tiffany when Tiffany gets turned up, you you know, that that's what she does. However, are there any relationships or can you recall a time when your addiction may have affected a relationship that you had? Um, and if so, um, do you mind talking about that?
1: Oh, no, absolutely. I believe, honestly, um, my addiction affected uh, my marriage, to be honest. I mean, before I even got married, again, like I spoke of the trauma so because of the trauma, there was a lot of mistrust and he wasn't absolutely trustworthy, but I would get drunk and just act, I would act up. And so I think that that had a lot to do with the pool between us, you know? Um, but once I got clean, um, once I was really able to examine myself, because I never went to rehab, um, and so God healed me through the 12 step program by telling me literally audibly in my ear what to do. So when I got to grad school, I recognized, I was like, wow, all of these signs are the things uh, that God told me to do, but these are the, the 12 steps mm. of the 12 step program. And so I used those those 12 steps to restore a friendship with my wow. ex-husband. And uh, yeah, and we became friends. Um, but we were always friends first, but it was just so much between uh, the infidelities and his own trauma and my trauma, you know, that it was like we, we was, couldn't, yeah. if we were going to not be together, right. we could So it was a friends.
0: toxic environment, but, but through your deliverance yes. and through your, like you said, becoming clean and sober and things like that, you were able to make amends and move forward because I know that that's definitely one Absolutely. of the 12 steps. Um, I, I can remember going mm-hmm. to um, NA with my mom you know my mom struggled with her sobriety a lot but you know we used to go to the meetings and I, I remember like the first step of being you know admitting that you're powerless uh, coming to believe that there's yes. a power greater outside, greater than yourself that can restore you yeah, you're making a decision yeah. um, it's definitely about making a decision and turning your life over to God and you know once you admitting to God and other human beings and, and, you know, going back and again, making those amends and not necessarily for those people, but for yourself, right? Because Absolutely.
1: they may or may not
0: accept it. They may or may not receive you. However, Once you do that, you free yourself. It's so important to go back and and make those amends with people that you may have wronged during your time of addiction. And not even just addiction, but just in general, period. If you know that there are some people out there that Mm -hmm. you have strife with... Um, that you may be holding a grudge against or maybe holding a grudge against you because you've done them wrong. It's really time, and I guess that's my little PSA on my soapbox right now, but it's really time to make those amends <laughs> so that you both can move forward. You, the relationship may not be restored to fully. I might not be besties again or what have you, but take that time to just kind of, you know, repair that situation, make amends, apologize for the things that you've done wrong and move forward
1: and heal
0: because that's exactly. where a lot of us cannot heal because yeah. of the fact that there's still things that's out there that is unsettled that has not been addressed you know you gotta pull that band-aid off I say this all the time is that band-aids are temporary when you first get a, a a cut or a scratch or whatever, and you gotta put your little ointment on there and you put your band-aid on there. It's on there temporarily for a moment, but in order for that that cut or that scratch to naturally heal, that band-aid has to come off. It has to get exposed to the air and all of that stuff so that it can begin to naturally heal. Some of us are walking around with these band-aids on, and the band-aid gets us attention, which we love. Oh, you got what happened to you? Why you got this band-aid mm-hmm. on? It's a story. But you got to Go rip that Band-Aid off and allow that healing process to begin. And we have to think of our relationships and our, you know, and just within ourselves, the same thing. It's time to take the Band-Aid off. I don't know who that was for, but it's time to take off that Band-Aid. Absolutely. All right. So. Um, yeah. We've talked about, you know, you hitting rock bottom. We've talked about relationships that you have made amends with. The next thing I would like to talk about is, I know along this way, because you said that you've just celebrated 15 years, correct? 16 years so 16 years you have celebrated Mm -hmm. being clean and being sober i'm sure within that 16 year time frame you have faced a lot of obstacles or challenges um on this sobriety journey so can you share with us you know um some of that and, and how you were able to overcome those challenges
1: absolutely um when i first uh started my my journey of sobriety I probably, um, well, first of all, it was hard for me because, you know, I've been so shut off, like I'm the black sheep and I don't have family ties necessarily with, you know, the staples in your family that you should have family ties with. So for me, um, God has always positioned mother figures in my life through my, through my friends you know they would be the ones that would encourage me "Tiffany when are you going to stop drinking? When are you go- when are you going to grow up?" You know, uh or I would stay with them or they would encourage me to go to college. And and so um some of the challenges were uh not necessarily from those people. That's where I received the re- the support, but the challenges would stem from okay, once I got comfortable in my sobriety. And I said, "You know what? I'm not about to sit up in the house and not go out just because other people are drinking i feel strongly that i can go out and i can hang and i can kick it and you know if i want to go to a party or go to the club and there's alcohol or whatnot i believed in my heart that god had healed me from that that taste and it's so funny because one time i um i was with my ex husband mom and she too was an addict and she offered me non-alcoholic beer girl and god is so funny why am i allergic <laughs> to non-alcoholic beer <laughs> wow <laughs> because i love it so much yeah i love beer so much and i, I, can't, I can't he said no Mm-mm. you're not gonna because that's it. nothing Jesus. but temptation so my, to send so you, you on back that, into the real thing yes sent me to the hospital i've never drank it again but um th- those were my vices just being around or my my challenges rather were just going out to the club because people or or maybe like even a gathering a family gathering and somebody what you drinking you want a beer or you want you know some Hennessy or what and I, I'd have to say no you know I don't drink anymore and people would look at me like I had the plague mm. like I was sick and I'm like I don't drink and I, re- I can remember like when I was living in Texas because I got sober there and I would come back home to visit and I would go out to the little hole in the wall like the Elks or the Legion or something like that and people would, you know, be offering me drinks and they would literally get upset because I would say, well, uh, I'll take a Shirley Temple. Because, you know, it looks like it's a drink, but it's really just seven mm-hmm. up and, and cherry juice. And they're like, what's that? And I said, the
0: bartender don't <laughs> know what it is. Right, just right. None of your business. You know? Just order my drink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. And th- when they figured out what it was, I'm not buying that. Okay, well, don't buy it. I have my own money, right. but I didn't ask you for a drink. You know, but you're not going to sit here and try to judge me because I've changed and you mm-hmm. haven't. And that's OK, because just because you're drinking doesn't necessarily mean that you are an addict. Some people can drink socially and, and not have a problem with it. I'm just not one of those people. So those are my challenges. Family members telling me that are still in their addiction. Um, well, you're not going to be any fun anymore. Why wow. do you want to stop drinking? Wow. Why would I not? Yeah. Oh family mm. members. Family members. Yeah. Have, you know, that's oh, the part yeah. that cut me when that happened. And
0: that you know, it's it's so crazy because and you know, we talked about this offline yesterday, I remember, but it's because they are still looking at the old Tiffany. And they are unable mm-hmm. to see who you are now. And you know, that's the hardest thing because they want to keep you there right they, they don't want they don't want you to, because they're yeah. still there so they want you to be there with them and also yes. a lot of times when you say it they bec- they get offensive or they become defensive because they're like well you trying to say I got a problem? You know what I'm saying? Then it becomes about them. And it's like this exactly. has nothing, yeah, this has nothing exactly. to do with you. This is about me and where I am in my life. And this no longer serves me. And I'm no longer, you know, doing this. So, you know, stop taking, stop being so defensive. Why does it bother you? Because I say I don't want to drink. I can remember when um one relationship that i was in and it was so super toxic and he and i he we used to drink all of the time like all of the time and i you know god kind of i kind of came to myself god kind of spoke to me and was like you're done with this you're done with this situation you're getting out of this and it was i mean it was so clear to me and i remember coming home to him and he would look when I say he would have like a fifth of Hennessy every day like he came home from work and drunk every single day and he would get offended if I didn't drink with him and so when he came Mm -hmm. home one night and I was like I don't want anything to drink I'm not drinking anymore and I think I was like and I was it was close to new year so I was getting ready to go to like watch night service and so he got so defensive oh my god it turned violent like he and I got into a fight I remember leaving the house my daughter and my son were at the home with me at the time. My daughter called the police. She probably was about four or five years old. I don't even know if she remembers this, but she got on the phone and called 911 because he and I were fighting. I left out of that house barefoot in a tank top and a pair of shorts in like December with my two children. Bloody and oh because goodness. we had that type of re- it was like a toxic relationship and i was like if i stay in this either i'm gonna kill him or he gonna kill me but i had made up in my mind that i did mm-hmm. not want to drink anymore that i did not want to be a part of this it was just too violent too toxic and i just remember his response to me saying that was met with violence it was met with you know um again exactly that's exactly what it was and so like to your point you know when you're making these changes in your life and I think it's so important and that's why I, I can even recall back to when my mom you know when she would start going to her meetings and different things like that and she was working on recovery and then I would notice like some of her friends would come around that was still getting high and i would be upset with her and i'm like i'm only like 10 11 12 years old but i'm hearing in the meetings that you if you're an addict you can't be around other addicts if you're an addict you can't be in yeah, people you have to remove things. yourself from that. And so when they would start coming back around, I would just be looking at her like, so this is what we're doing right now. Like, you know, you know, this is not right. right. And sometimes I think that we might feel like we're strong enough to deal with it. And I think that at some point we we do get to a point where we're strong enough. But when you're in the midst of it or in the early stages, you have to make a conscious decision of I can't be here in this space or I can't be around these people because I'm yeah. not strong enough to. um to withstand the temptation, right? I mean, that's even biblical. Mm -hmm. The Bible don't say stand in temptation. The Bible says flee from temptation. God tells us to flee. If we know that it's something that's powerful and has a pull on us and it's something that we have a weakness towards, God says flee kind of like Joseph. When that woman, you know, Joseph, the dreamer in the Bible, when that, when, um, gosh, I can't think of this man's name, but, um, Pother, Potiphar's wife Potiphar's wife when Joseph was working in the house and Potiphar's wife tried to have sex with Joseph Joseph got the heck up out that house he was like uh uh-uh, uh I'm not doing this <laughs> and he ran and so we got to Yes yeah. and that's what you, do you have, to have, do. have to remove yourself from certain situations you cannot heal in the place that broke you so Again, that's another yes. message for people who are listening right now. If you're trying to heal from something, you got to remove yourself from the situation that you're in if you truly, truly want to heal because you can't heal there. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, like I said, it was my
1: family member. Um, and she's my cousin, but she grew. we grew up as sisters. My mom raised both of us. And when she said that to me, I was just like, wow. Well, first of all, the devil is a lie. Second of all, I'm funny, I'm cool, I'm all of that without having a drink. That's right. just my personality, you know. And that's what, so that just made me more determined. It, yeah, it stung, but it just made me more determined. And so I just, you know, I, I just stopped for a while until I felt strong enough. Not, you know, I stopped going around those types of people. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. Even though it's been 16 years, like we talked about offline and you said it today, when you're in your addiction or even when you're not an addict and you're just a regular person that just likes to have a drink here and there people find a reason to kick it and when i say kick it to indulge in whatever Mm -hmm. their vice is so if i'm happy let me celebrate if i'm sad ooh, let me commiserate you know what i mean and then uh let me be miserable and then which includes me that's that's the the start of me drinking or drugging or whatever it is that i choose to do and then when you just you don't sometimes you don't even mm-hmm. need an excuse to do those things you just don't and but even now at sixteen years sometimes if I get angry it's usually only when I'm angry if I'm angry enough or I'm hurt enough the devil will still plant that that little bee, I can feel it and it's so slithery I can hear him he's like well, wow you can still have a drink. and I'm like no I can't and I wow. just start talking out loud you know and talking to God I still will have that thought come over me mm. so it never stops it never stops and people get too comfortable um, and I do my best not to get too comfortable that's why I talk about it that was my promise to God that I would tell everybody what he did and how he saved me You know, when I worked as a um, when I went to school and got my master's in human services, the emphasis is on drug and alcohol dependency. So I'm a substance abuse counselor. I did that so that I can go and speak and I would tell share my testimony when it was relevant, you know, but I would never share with my clients that I did. Yeah, of course, of course, because
0: everyone's path is going to be different. And I mean, I think that's the perfect um, segue for the next thing that I was going to say, because I did. Realized when you said that you never went through a 12-step program. It was God that, you know, delivered you and healed you and did all of that. And that's amazing Um because everyone doesn't have that willpower. And some people do need, everyone's journey is going to be different, right? So some people will need to go through a program. Mm-hmm. Some people will need to go through detox. Some people might need to rehab. And then there are some, like you said, that just fall to their feet because I've heard this testimony on more than one occasion to say I just literally asked God to remove this taste From me and he did that without a program Without any of those yeah. things And so you know ha- Whatever your path is Just get on the path right Just get on the get path on that. whatever that looks like For you Um, just get on the path Because God is a healer And he is but it has to be You have to really truly believe it Deep down inside that of yourself That God can heal me God can deliver me because if you don't It's not on God. It's on you. Um, You know, it has to be something that you honestly, truly believe in your life. Um, So.
1: And you have to surround yourself with people that are strong, you know, in the same faith, in the same belief that that you that you can do this. And if I need to call you in the middle of the night or if I'm if I'm having a bad day, can I call you? You know, will you be a source of support for me? Because you know sometimes people don't have that right.
0: and that is so important i mean i feel like to your point you know those toxic friends and family members who want to keep you where you are because they can't see the path that you're going. You know, you have to kind of remove yourself from them and you have to find, you have to replace them with a new tribe, a tribe of people who are like-minded, a tribe of people <laughs> who are supportive, a tribe of people who have maybe experienced what you experienced. So they've been there. You know, I, I find that it's been so helpful to me because I used to always like, I just had a, a, a you know, a specific set of people that I hung with. And, you know, we might have all come from the same culture or same upbringing or had the same beliefs or did the same things. And I'm finding now that it's been helpful to me to have people who are older than me, to have people to different cultures, people who have maybe gone through what I've gone through and they've already come through the other side so they can kind of help me through it. Um, people who are not where I am right now so then I can also lean back and, and give my wisdom and understanding on them. But it's about diversity. It's about having, you know, Know, um, you know, almost a mixing pot of differences, but mostly mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you all can be different and in different places and different spaces, but have that same like-mindedness of growth, of transformation, of evolution, of all of that stuff. Because when that's the foundation of the relationship, then you wanna be able to support each other and encourage each other in your own journeys, in your own personal journeys. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, and and I truly believe that God places, you talked about a tribe, you know, he places the right people in your space and in your face for the moment that you need them. When you need them most for that journey, that's when you're going to meet those people. And, and you won't even know that that was the purpose most times until yes. after the fact.
0: Yes. I say this all the yeah. time. Reasons, seasons, and lifetimes. Lifetime. And and, and, yeah. and God Absolutely. is such the He's such a perfect orchestrator that it's like He knows what you need before you need it, and He's gonna place it in your path. The only thing you got to do is be willing to stay on the path. That's what I always say, cause yep. right, cause he's it open. is hard. You know, when, I mean, of course, sit here and act like life is a cakewalk, and that's whether it's substance abuse or addiction or just life in general. The things that we go through in life, like mm-hmm. it's it's going to be challenges and obstacles. But I feel like you know, regardless of the challenge or obstacle, we have to just remain positive and remain focused on you know the path ahead and where we're trying to get to and as long as we stay focused on that then we'll be good
1: (laughs) we will be good Um,
0: so we are close to wrapping up. So one of the things that you mentioned was, of course, having um, that support and that foundation. And you also spoke about being a counselor. So was there people or a specific person that might have been influential um, in your recovery um, that you would like to recognize as to how they helped you? And then the second part of that is, have you, you know, in turn paid it forward and did the same for someone else? Um. Yeah,
1: my, my, friend's mom, uh, they were all very, very instrumental and supporting me. Honestly, all of my friends um, at that time, at that juncture in my life, um, were very, very supportive. I remember one time I tricked them because I just wanted to see their reaction. It was so funny. It was my birthday. I probably had turned 36. I got clean at 34. And she picked me up in St. Louis because we live you know kind of far from the airport well hour and a half and she said what do you want to do for your birthday and I said uh take me to the liquor store I want and she pulled over on the highway started crying you know you will never I will never be the reason you know that that they say that you started drinking again and I was laughing but I was crying at the same time because I Mm love the fact that she had my back she supported me and she knew me at my worst my friends in Dallas uh, only there was only a handful of them that that saw me, you know, when I was out there. Um, but most of my friends never saw me that side of me. I shared with them my my journey and my testimony, but they didn't know that part of me. So she was one of the ones that I grew up with that knew my story and my plight. Um, so really, just my friends, um, and then as far as being able to to give back and to pour in, I'm always doing that. You know, I, um, I was having empowerment sessions where I would give my testimony kind of like what, when we met and, um, and talk about the things that I've been able to overcome, um, and help women recognize some of the things that they can do. And And I shared the, my story about the steps that I took, uh, with, with God's guidance to get clean and to get sober and to start pouring into myself and loving on myself. Um, But the one thing that helped me most was that I started getting into fitness. And so now I have a small gym that I kind of refurbished through a, from a garage and I give back that way. So a lot of the women that I meet, uh, some of them have different types of addictions. Some of it is is sexual. Some of them were molested. Some of them have um, an addiction like Mm -hmm. one like mine. Um, And we, and I pour into them while we are,
0: Um, pouring into ourselves through fitness so that's another way that's awesome that is awesome and I'm sure that those women are so appreciative of it because it's like you said you know we have to again form these tribes and I think it's so important that once we've overcome things I think that that's why we go through things quite honestly we're not going through these experiences in life for ourselves we're going through it so that we can help Mm -hmm. other people who go through it I think that's that's where the fellowship comes in that's where the you know the communal comes in and that's where um the transparency because you have to be comfortable enough to stand in front of people and and say you know what this person that you see in front of you has been to hell and back this person has done has done a b c and d and be able to stand there boldly and in confidence and in order to do yes. that i truly believe that it takes again having that relationship with god or you know with the with whomever your higher power may be but allowing the uh, allowing that power allowing god to you know what i'm saying to cleanse you to to love you and to do all of those things and so because when you have that then you have that boldness and you're like you know what This nothing that you can say to me that's going to tear me down there's nothing that you can you know there's nothing that i can't stand here before you and admit to because i've overcome it i'm not that same person anymore i'm not in that place anymore you know um i've already been there done that and I've overcame it. So now I can speak to it. Absolutely. And so, um,
1: yes, that's actually happened to me where people thought that they could throw up my past. Oh, well you used to do this and you used to be that. And I said, yeah, but you know what? I don't wear that badge anymore. So you can say whatever you want to say because I've already given it to God and this is how I overcame it. So you trying to bring that up does not hurt me. It actually strengthens and empowers me. And (laughs) you know, I used to lie about my addiction because I was in such denial. I, at one point, I didn't think I was an addict. I just thought I liked to get drunk. You know, I thought I liked to, quote unquote, kick it. Um, but once I gave it to God and once He He healed me, He basically made me stop lying. And be, that's how I became so transparent. I would the old me would have never done a video or or posted, you know, lives on Facebook sharing mm-hmm. my testimony. Because I was, I had, I was operating in shame. Wow. I
0: think when, I think when we are, once we come to the point in our life where we're able to, you know, accept responsibility for who we are. Um, and and for what we've done, um, because we know that we are forgiven and we know that we have, you know, moved forward and we have grown outside of that, that that responsibility is what breeds empowerment. You know, as a life coach, that's one of the things I tell my clients all the time. Responsibility breeds empowerment. You want to be empowered then take responsibility for yourself. Um, another thing that I would like to just say is that, you know, I feel like when you talked about your breaking point was almost losing your job, you know, our change occurs in our life when our desire to change becomes stronger than our desire to stay the same and that's usually um happens or occurs when there is something that's like detrimental or traumatic we don't want it to always be that way sometimes but you know once that desire to change becomes stronger than the desire to stay the same it is then that we're able to start acting and saying you know what i have to do something different because i can't stay in this any longer um and the authenticity piece, you know, like I said, it's you know, it's not always easy when you're going through it, but once you've overcome it, it's easier for us to speak to, you know, the situations that we have, you know, overcame. And I feel like um, I had saw this post one time, and I, 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 it resonated with me so much that authenticity is the daily practice of letting go of who we think we are or no, of who we think we're supposed to be and embracing who we actually are. I know personally for the longest, I always felt like I had to be a certain way, act a certain way, do certain things, have certain titles in order to be You know, perfect or to be whomever. Mm -hmm. And so I'm learning, especially at 40. I've said this year of 40 has been so interesting because it's been just so transformational for me personally. But I'm learning to just embrace who I am and to be completely transparent about who that is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't necessarily have to fit into who society or whom, you know, these people say that I should be. I'm not here. I'm not here for right. your approval. I already have God's approval. That's the only approval that I need. <laughs> that's the that's only it. approval that's that it. I and need. that's where a lot of,
1: yes. And a lot of people, that's how they get
0: caught up for looking for outside validation. I validate mm-hmm. me. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I it took a long
0: time to get here, but I love it up here. <laughs> I love Ooh, it up you here. Telling? Yeah. So, you know, I remember when I
1: turned, uh, well, it was a couple of years ago, I was I was upset because with myself briefly and somebody reminded me, a friend of mine reminded me, I said, you know, I, I hate that it took me, I think I was 47, because I remember saying, I hate that it took me 47 years to finally get to a point where, you know, I don't, I feel comfortable in my skin. Like I finally love myself wholeheartedly. And then she said, well, think about it this way. Some people wow. never get there. Some people continue yeah. to look, you know, for outside validation or to try to pe- please people or or they stay stuck, mm-hmm. you know. So
0: that a whole new perspective. perspective. It doesn't matter when you get there, just as long as you get there. <laughs> just as long as, because, yes, that, because when you get there, that's when the real living starts. And I really believe that. Mm -hmm. yep so okay we have chatted a lot and we are way over our time which i knew that we would be um but (laughs) i I would like for us you know the purpose of this podcast and i always say that is to uplift encourage and inspire that is our mantra here um and so i would like for you to just take a moment to, and it could be how however short or long you want it to be but a message that you would like to share with the listeners today um to uplift encourage and inspire them
1: I want to impart, if I have not imparted anything else into your listeners, um, that the ability to be self-aware, to pour into yourself, to remind yourself of who you are and whose you are is so important. That is what God gifted me when he cleaned me up. He started working me through the 12 steps, telling me what to do. Um, at different periods in my life and when I would perfect one area he'd give me another one and the thing that it took me back to was when I had to go back to when I was a little girl because that's when mm-hmm. my trauma started and I think it's so important for us as, as women uh, but people period to go back to what they used to like to do and that's how I got into to exercising and nature and fitness so go back to what you liked when you were a child, and and the, if you have any, whether it's a good memory or a bad memory, there's something in there that you like, even in the midst of your pain. Dig deep and go in there and 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 pour into your inner child, pour into her, um, and and remind her of of how beautiful she is and how um, she is forgiven. Because I was so angry at myself for allowing myself to make those mistakes that I made and to to not love myself and to not feel worthy. I felt so unworthy. But when I started to pour into myself, I began to write affirmations and stick them on my window. And I would have some in my car and I started saying them two and three and seven times a day. And and it got to a point where I had a routine of, that was my way of loving the hell out of myself, you know? And so if that's what it takes for you to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and to get clean, do it. Take the time with yourself. Take yourself out on dates. Pamper yourself. Love on yourself because you can't love anyone else if you don't love yourself and no one else can love you. And you're going to get what you're going to attract the same type of person or the same state, the same mindset that you portray. That's who you're going to attract to you. And so in order to um, do that and to get to a point where I only attract what, what makes me feel worthy what I know I'm worthy of I had to get in love with myself um I'm sitting here looking at this quote by Glenda Cloud and I've had this quote it's on my it's like my signature on my
0: mm-hmm. um, emails, and it says I'm looking
1: change, at change is inevitable yes <laughs> change is inevitable growth intentional. is intentional I had to get intentional about changing who I was and flourishing into who I am I wouldn't I would implore that everyone get intentional. Wow,
0: powerful powerful and one thing that you said about you know finding yourself it's so crazy because you can finding yourself for us as adults is really just us getting back to who we were as a child. in the innocence the things that we love to do as i'm finding myself now i'm finding that it's getting back to the things that i loved before all of the life the circumstances of life you know came into play i loved writing i loved Mm -hmm. singing i loved dancing you know there were just things that brought me so much joy but as life starts to hit you and come at you being a mom going to work doing this doing that being you know we start to lose sense of those things and and, you know we become too busy and too wrapped up in you know everyday life things to start really enjoying those things that we did as a child and so now I find the other day I was coloring and I I, I just sat there and enjoyed coloring in this coloring book so much it yes. was so therapeutic but I remember coloring for hours mm-hmm. when I was a child and now they have coloring books for adults mm-hmm. because they understand yeah <laughs> you know that it's actually <laughs> therapy for you so yeah. um yes. but I just want to say thank you so much because um you you know this. This has been an amazing interview. You have shared so much. I know that the listeners are going to hear this and take so much away from it. Thank you for the wisdom that you've imparted. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for your authenticity. I just appreciate you for for all of it. Um, I thank you for being on the Winner Circle podcast today um i thank you for your time um if there's any special projects or business ventures or things that you have going on you can definitely share it with us now um for the listeners um how how can they get in contact with you how can they follow you all of that stuff and that's if you want them to you you know it's completely up to you but this is your time to kind of give out that information well
1: yeah i'm on um Social media on Facebook under JUS is just Tiffany Lynn. So JUS Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y and capital L-Y-N-N-E. That's my middle name. Um, And then I have, like I said, I have a small gym here. I know you're in Georgia and I'm in uh, Illinois, but I'm planning on doing some ventures um, soon. So I'll keep you posted on that. But
0: pretty much that's it for now just okay great well tiffany thank you again so much for being on the show um i i appreciate you more than you know um and i hope that you enjoy the rest of your sunday <laughs> yes i i will i hope you enjoy yours and thank you very much for having me all right so here at the week at the Winter circle we know that the conversations are different so thank you all for tuning in and have a wonderful week okay and we're done um so I will work on this when I come home I'll edit it put music behind it and all of that stuff um if you could send me a photo of you and um so I can mm-hmm. create the flyer and I will try to get it either depending on the time I get back this evening um I'll try to get it uploaded today but if not definitely tomorrow cool
1: okay thank you and I'll, I'll send you a picture okay, over cool. in a okay cool thank you mm-hmm. thank you have a good day